0: we want to talk about prophetic worship. We want to talk about being spontaneous in worship. What does that look like? How do we do it? How do we execute it without running into a train wreck and everyone freaking out and not ever liking us ever again? So those are some important things that we want to talk about. First, let me just introduce ourselves. My name's Corey Asbury. Uh, I've been, thank you. Wow, I've, that means a lot. It means a lot. It's really, really helping me. a <laughs> Uh, my name is Corey Asbury. I've been here for about two and a half years here at New Life. Uh, I'm a worship pastor here. I lead maybe a couple Sunday mornings a month. We lead, we're about to start a Wednesday night service. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. <laughs> it was on Sunday night and we loved it. It was awesome. It was fun. It was, you know, prophetic and spontaneous like we're going to talk about tonight. And now we're moving it to Wednesday night. Uh, and so that, again, will be sort of a prayer and worship service where we just kind of worship a ton. We pray some. We kind of just ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing and try to follow. So that's going to be really fun. I also uh, teach in the school of worship uh, on song. Yeah, thank you. thank You <laughs> You guys are amazing. Uh, teach on some songwriting. Teach on kind of the practicals of worship, how to do it, what it looks like, how to, again, not run into train wrecks because those are very important Things to learn, and this is my good friend Caleb Culver. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm Caleb.
1: Uh, I'm 28. Uh, I've been here for about two years on staff at New Life. Uh, I'm the associate director for DLA, and uh, I specifically I direct the school of worship within DLA. Um, I'm mostly doing that just to hear the cheers at this point, Uh, but. I was at uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City for about nine years um, before moving here. I graduated from uh, their Bible college. Uh, I led worship at my church starting at the age of 14 and, and uh, really wanted to give myself to worship. Came to Kansas City. Um, been on worship teams. I've been playing with Corey here for about uh, five, uh, six years now. Um, and uh, I write music as well. I primarily play keyboards and, and really just have a heart uh, for worship, but specifically to see people get raised up, uh, training and just excellence in worship leading, as well as what we're talking about today, prophetic, spontaneous, listening to the Holy Spirit, um, being worship leaders on the stage.
0: Yeah, I forgot to mention, I spent about eight years at IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City as well. Before I got here, that was probably a helpful tidbit of information that could be useful to you guys. So that happened. Uh, I want to kind of pose the question, what is prophetic worship? What does it look like? What does that mean that we're prophetic in worship? How do you be spontaneous in worship? Basically, kind of what we want to get at today is how do you do more than just being a karaoke worship leader? And what I mean is you get up there and you got your five songs or maybe three songs depending on what church you're at. And you just blow through those three songs with no thought of spontaneity with no thought of asking the Holy Spirit what he's doing with no thought of hey what what are you doing in the room today Lord and so we kind of want to talk to you guys about how to actually be prophetic today how to follow the Holy Spirit in a worship context what does that look like and how do you actually do it so Caleb is going to talk to us kind of what's going on in the earth right now as far as that kind of worship goes
1: yeah, when I was uh, 10, I remember uh, going to a Kent Henry concert. Anyone in the room know who Kent Henry is? No one. My life is... Oh, we got two. Sorry, it's like really hazy and dark, so I see two or three hands. Most of them are probably over the age uh, of 30. Uh, Kent Henry, he's awesome. We've actually got a chance to to meet with him, and, and uh, I just remember going to this church, and Kent Henry was leading worship, and just... Throughout, like he would sing a song, and like in the middle of the song, he would start singing like a chorus, or he'd stop the song, and he'd and he'd start talking about, you know, the Lord just spoke this to me, or the Lord's been speaking this to me, and and like the whole session was just uh, had all these spontaneous moments, and it was so full of life, and. like my eyes were just glued to him, actually, because I just had never seen anyone lead worship like that. I've been leading worship, and and every worship leader I knew, just uh, you know, they they kind of went off the the set list, and they might have said hi at the beginning and, and prayed to close the service, and and so you know that that's what I did as a worship leader. I never said anything in the mic or did anything spontaneous, um, and so I, I watched him lead worship, and and he, he was just so filled with life, and he would sing these spontaneous moments and choruses, and I was like, man, that's what I was feeling, and then he just like somehow said it, just like blew my mind, and, and uh, that was the first time I was kind of exposed to that, um, and then probably five, six years later, um, there started to be all these other worship artists, um, you know, like Jason Upton and different ones who would consistently lead uh, worship and have great songs, great music, and would have a lot of structure, actually, but would incorporate prophetic and spontaneous moments in incredibly powerful ways. I'm mean, going just remember going to sessions where Jason Upton led worship and just bawling my eyes out and felt like he was just singing right at me like it like like in a way that I just wasn't used to and and uh so in the moving to IHOP um just in the last 10 years I've I've noticed that there's just been an explosion of uh prophetic and uh spontaneous all over the earth and to me it's it's it, I, it's new, but I like, I like to call it a, a return to the old, a return to the ancient. You know, like in the book of Acts, when, when, when most churches were 15, 20, 25 people, like everyone would come and bring a song, a hymn, a spiritual song, and they would sing. You know, there wasn't a specific worship leader. It was very spontaneous uh, and very prophetic the way that led worship. And, and now we have, you know, big buildings. And, and because we have, the church is so big, it's, it's not bad. Like it's not like mega church is bad and that house church was, was good. They're both good, but sometimes we can, you know, get into uh, a reliance on structure, kind of like what Pastor Brady was talking about, how we, we get self-reliant on our own talents and gifts, and we can, we can shut out the Holy Spirit in that. And so, really, in the last 10 years, I mean, we see places like IHOP and Bethel and United Pursuit and some of the leading worship artists and churches all over the nation are incorporating spontaneous and prophetic into their services. Uh, And in in a really powerful way, and in a way that it's clear that the Lord's hand is on it. Like it's not just one person. It's not just like Hillsong did it, and everyone else is like copying them. It's it's like the Lord. The styles and the sounds can look completely different. It's not just in you know white soft rock churches, like we and we're seeing it in like gospel churches and in Latino churches, and we're seeing it in like churches all over uh, all over the world. And so you know we're really just wanting to get on board with, with what the Lord's doing and, and be good stewards of, of what He's given us, but do what He's doing in the earth.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I just want to kind of tell you a little bit about our journey together as friends, but our journey at, at IHOP, at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, kind of our eight or ten-year journey into this idea of prophetic worship, into this idea of spontaneous worship, basically kind of what we did there Our week looked like we'd do six two-hour sets of worship, pretty straightforward. So every week we'd have six two-hour sets where we just got up there and led worship. And probably about half of that was rehearsed. They were songs that we knew, you know, just like you do on a Sunday morning. And then probably about half of it was spontaneous when we were just kind of asking the Holy Spirit, hey, what are you doing? What are you saying? And then we would try to follow that whatever that looked like. So we did that on a day, daily basis, day in and day out as a team uh, together. And it was amazing. Those were my favorite times of worship of my life so far, because it really is so fun when you're allowed to be spontaneous, when you're allowed to kind of step out of the beaten path of the regular worship song and I love the regular worship song I love just leading worship just songs straight through it's it's quite invigorating as well but when we would do these times of spontaneous worship my heart would just come alive because I was getting to follow the Lord I was getting to listen to him and actually do what he was saying you know and obviously a lot of that was subject to what I thought he was saying and what it should sound like but it was those times were were so incredibly fun and so Basically, I'll just kind of give you a snapshot of what a two-hour set would look like. We would go up and kind of lead corporate worship, so maybe a couple, two, three songs. And then we would actually uh, sing the scriptures, pretty straightforward. We would do what we would call developing a, a scriptural passage just through singing. And we called it antiphonal singing, which is kind of a weird foreign word, but basically what it means is conversational singing. The idea is I sing something, and then you sing it back to me, and then we go back and forth, and there's this kind of beautiful cross-referencing of Scripture going on, and we're kind of learning and teaching each other as it happens. So we would sing the Scriptures. We would take, you know, a psalm, which are probably the most singable because they were written as songs for that purpose. So, you know, Psalm 23, for instance, we'd take, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want etc etc and we would get up there and after the time of corporate worship we would just sing through that passage back and forth so you know i'd i'd be the worship leader and i'd have like three singers over here pretend caleb's one of the singers and you know there's a couple more and we would just sing i'd sing the lord is my shepherd and he would go yes you love me you take care of me and we'd just go back and forth singing the scripture and kind of teaching it to one another and we did that six times a week, basically. And there, there's so much room for spontaneity in that. There's so much room for just following the Holy Spirit and, and being prophetic um, in that. And, and when I say being prophetic, a lot of people can think, oh, that's such a mystical idea. It's that's, that's kind of weird. What does that mean? And basically, when I think of how do you be prophetic, I think of there's a scripture in uh, Revelation 19, I think it's 1910 basically says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And, and when I think of that scripture, I think, okay, the testimony of Jesus, what does that mean? That's his story. That's his witness. That's what he's saying right now. That's anything that lends to or sheds light on Jesus. That is the spirit of prophesy, prophecy. So we would get up there and, uh, and we would do that. We would just, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And we would just kind of sing and, and try to play those things that he was say, uh, that the Lord was saying. So just a couple of, of biblical principles on, on why we would even do this.
1: Yeah, and like I said, this is kind of a return to the ancient. Um, you know, this is not a, a new idea. And, and first, I mean, you see it uh, whenever we see a picture of, of the throne room. You know, I always think of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, where he says, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. We often pray that and we're disconnected with what actually is happening in heaven. Well, if we look at the, the, you know, Ezekiel 1, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4 and 5, and we have these chapters in the Bible Uh, that should be very valuable to us where we see a picture of what's happening around the throne. You know, what is happening the closest to the Lord is probably something that's pretty dear to his heart and something we should probably pay attention to. And so we see in Revelation 4 and 5 around the throne there is perpetual worship and prayer. It talks about the saints uh, having a harp in one hand and a bowl in the other. The harp representing worship and the bowl representing prayer. And continually day and night, uh, uh, you know, it says they do not rest. They, They they, they say and they sing, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's perpetual, unending, unceasing worship and prayer that's happening, and we see in Revelation we see these spontaneous choruses come out. And Corey used a, a biblical word a minute ago uh, that we see uh, called antiphonal, which simply just means responsive singing, and we primarily see it uh, in. Uh, in, in David's tabernacle. And David is such a fascinating character. Um, I mean, he's the one that Lord said, he's the one, he, he, you know, he's after my heart. So again, we should probably pay attention to how he lived his life. Um, and David so was passionate to do what was on the Lord's heart. You know, I think, I believe David had that glimpse of what was happening in the throne room of this unending worship and prayer. So, you know, David goes and he gets the Ark of the Covenant back, and, and I mean, you know the whole story, but instead of putting it back in Moses's tabernacle where the sacrifices happened, where, the, where it had been, he puts up a new tent, and he hires a couple thousand Levites um, who were uh, priests to be skilled musicians and singers to minister Around uh, the Ark of the Covenant, day and night, they would actually uh, they would be in twos or fours, like like a square, and they'd actually face each other. These musicians and singers, and it it talked about how they sang antiphonally or responsively. And and as we see the Psalms, I mean, there's there's uh, you know arguably there's no book in the Bible that's more prophetic than the Psalms. I mean, uh, you know. Jesus to the disciples. I mean, it's quoted so many times. These were so many times songs that, that didn't just come out of David being on the hill, hillside, but a lot of these came out of this tabernacle, this place of, unending worship and prayer where they were singing uh, responsibly or antiphonally back and forth, and there was spontaneous, and there was music, and there was prophetic happening all at once, and, and the musicians were singers that were, uh, uh, the musicians were excellent and trained, and, and we see all of these songs and, and things that came out of this place, and this, you know, and, and then I, I like to look at that picture of David being in that tent, you know, when he talks about that he'd rather be, you know, uh, uh, better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. You know, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being in that room with the raw presence and glory of God and singing biblical truths about who he is uh, uh, back and forth. It's
0: mm. powerful. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to give a little bit of dignity to the musicians as well. I know we've been talking about mostly worship leaders prophesying singing things but i also want to give dignity to prophetic musicians because that's a that's a huge piece of the bible that we see there's so many stories just a few of them number 1 elisha before he prophesies or does anything he calls for a skilled musician he basically says i'm not going to do anything until you bring me a skilled skilled musician this is in second kings 315 bring me a skilled musician to stir up that spirit of prophecy, to stir up that prophetic spirit, and then I'll prophesy. Then I'll speak the word of the Lord. So he says, I won't do anything until you give me, uh, you know, maybe it was a harpist, I don't know what it was back then, but give me a skilled musician, and then I'll prophesy the word of the Lord. Number two, one of the most famous stories, we all know it, 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23. Basically, we see Saul Saul, And he's got a problem. He's kind of got a demon on his back. He's got this distressing spirit, as the Bible calls it, and it comes and goes. And he's dealing with this for quite some time. And basically, he invites David. He doesn't even know it's going to be David, but he invites, he says, again, just like Elisha, I need a skilled musician. I need someone who's skillful on their instrument, who can prophesy on their instrument. And what happens is David comes. And as David plays, it drives out that distressing spirit. It drives away that demonic spirit that was on him, that was influencing his mind and his body. So David plays, and bam, this demon flees. David plays, and freedom comes, and this, this spirit of peace comes. It's a beautiful story about, about the power of prophetic musicians. Number three. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, just about the power of music, about the power of worship, even worship as a weapon, is Jehoshaphat. You know, it's in, it's in uh, 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat, he says he consults with the people, and he talks to the Lord, and he decides they're, they're about to go into a battle, and he thinks they might get dominated. So he goes, Lord, what should we do? What People, what should we do? And he comes up with the brilliant plan, which would seem like absolute foolishness. To most of us and probably if you were in that day you'd go what the heck are you doing but he goes okay I'm going to send out the singers before the army and they're going to prophesy and they're going to give us the victory because of their prophetic song and so he sends out the musicians and the singers before the army and those singers they sing You know, your mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good, and your mercy endures forever. They prophesy it, and bam, they get this huge, great victory that day. So the the power... Of worship, the power of the musician as one who prophesies is something that we shouldn't neglect. I know a lot of people probably think, well, you know, being prophetic is probably only for the worship leader because they can sing and maybe like the main singer because they can sing some things and it might touch some hearts in the room. But I want to give dignity to the musicians as well. You know, when I'm leading worship and Caleb's over here on the keys or Tyler's over here on the drums or Moose is over here on the electric, I am counting on them to usher in that spirit of prophecy. It's not all on me. It's not all on the singers. I'm going, musicians, I want you guys to have that reach in your spirit that says, today I'm going to prophesy on my instrument. Today I'm going to usher in you know that spirit of freedom or that spirit of peace or that spirit of joy, whatever it looks like on your instrument. Don't just kind of sit back there and think, oh, you know, I'm just playing the piano today, no big deal, whatever. No, prophesy on your instrument. As you're up there, ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying? What does that sound like? Look for prophetic moments. Look for spontaneous moments. And we'll get into that more as we uh, move forward. But I want to give dignity to the musicians. You guys can prophesy as well. It's very important.
1: Yeah, the the new song is is an area where we really see this developed in Scripture. And that can kind of turn into, like, catchphrase lingo kind of in the evangelical or charismatic church where the new song can mean, like, basically whatever sounds a little bit cool and different. You know, like, like oh, man, you know, Hillsong Young and Free the new song because, it, you know, it sounds a little bit different. And uh, there, there might be a, a small element to that, but the new song in Scripture, uh, it didn't really have anything to do Uh, with being brand new and just sounding a little different. And it didn't fully have to do with just being spontaneous, although that was a big piece of it. But every time the new song is is mentioned in Scripture, it's always tied to a song of deliverance. Whenever we see it in the Psalms, it's all throughout the Psalms. Um, We see it in context to the Lord being a deliverer. The first time we see the new song referenced in Scripture uh, is Miriam. After the armies uh, of Egypt are defeated, uh, you know, when she grabs her tambourine... it talks about that chorus being uh, her singing the new song. Why? Because that new song was connected to the Lord being a deliverer. And somewhere uh, along the way, we've lost uh, the, the perspective of worship being uh, an important part of the Lord showing himself as our deliverer, and, and when uh, the new song is this spontaneous, it's song, it's sound or whatever, but it's, it's when the, the, the enemy is driven back, and, and light goes forth and replaces darkness, and so we see that in our, you know, our, our modern worship services, I mean, like a, a song, like I think of songs that kind of defined our generation, you know, the last like 10 years, I think of the song, He Loves Us by John Mark McMillan, such a powerful anthem, um, there's so many moments where there's been worship services where someone has come in like Saul who's had a distressing spirit they, they've come in and, and, and they, they, they don't feel the love of God they have self-hatred, they have depression, they have these issues they have demonic oppression the, the God of this age has blinded their eyes they come into a worship service and if I walked up to them and said hey man he loves us he loves us oh how he loves us and gave him a fist bump and, uh, maybe the Lord would have moved in power but but you know I have seen a lot of deliverance happen in, you know through through that in my day but for some reason when we when we take that chorus and it's put to music that's beautiful and moving and that the Lord's on we sing this chorus these people that are walking in and have spirit of oppression or depression or self-hatred suddenly they sing the lyric and this time it strikes their heart and this time for the first time in life they believe it and this time they, there's change in their heart and they actually feel and receive the love of the father beloved that is the new song. It's when darkness is driven back and the Lord comes and he brings deliverance through the singing of truth and scripture. And guys, that that can happen easily through songs that we plan in our worship service and it does. But... I mean, every service we're in, the, the Lord does something unique every time, right? Like, we can never use the same formula. Like, one week we come in, and we think, man, this is going to be the service of joy, and then, like, there's just no joy, right? And then the next service, like, we think this is, like, somber fear of the Lord, and just all of a sudden joy breaks out, and, and moments, even, even moments in services have, have, have uh, just, the, the Spirit is doing different things to different people. And, and the, the, the new song entering into that is when we're sensitive, like Corey was saying. We're listening to what the Holy Spirit's doing. We're watching. And by his direction, the worship team as one is saying, you know, whether they're saying it on the mic out loud, whether Corey's saying it or he's singing it, he, he's hitting the spirit of oppression. And he's talking about the joy of the Lord. And the band starts playing. And when the band plays, the spiritual atmosphere is changing because there's anointed music going forth. And that like the story in, uh, uh, about Elisha, that prophetic spirit is stirred up in the singers or the preacher, and they proclaim the prophetic word, and it goes forth in power like, like we can't plan for. And, and and it's not it's not something that you know we just do because it's it's new and fresh. It's something in the very foundation of how the Lord built worship to be a weapon, uh, to drive back darkness, and to, uh, for people to sing and believe the truth of what God's saying. And how much more powerful when we couple it with what the Spirit is actually saying in the moment.
0: Amen. <laughs> so we've talked about some biblical principles. We've talked about kind of some lofty ideas. Now I'd love to get into some of the practical applications. How do we actually do this? How do we actually prophesy on our instrument? How do we actually prophesy with our voices as singers? What does that look like? You know, I hear maybe some of you guys asking the question, Corey, you've talked a whole lot about you follow the Holy Spirit and you do this prophetic and blah, 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 blah. You give me a lot of kind of mystical language, but tell me how to actually do this. So... First of all, I think number one, the most important thing that you can do in your worship contexts, in your worship teams, is to create a foundation for prophetic team ministry. What do I mean by that? I mean creating a culture that says, I'm going to reach for what the Lord is doing today. I'm going to have that, you know, that quote unquote reach in my heart to follow God, to do what he's saying today. And basically what that looks like is explaining the importance of following the Holy Spirit, explaining the importance of, of wanting to prophesy. And so you want to create a culture where people have that, you know, I'm calling it a reach. I'm calling it, the you know, the reach in your heart that says, I want to minister to people in this room prophetically today and, you know, the de- definition for that is probably found in First Corinthians. It's to build up, to exhort, to to edify. Those type of things. So you want to create that culture, lay a foundation for prophetic team ministry. Explain to people that it is important. It is helpful when you have that reach um, in your heart. And so, for me, with my teams. Uh, at IHOP and here, when I'm when I'm with my team, whether it's in a practice or it's a, you know even a casual hangout, and we're talking about what the Lord's doing, we're talking about worship. I'm constantly reinforcing the fact that I'm relying on them to flow in the prophetic. That I am. I'm not just doing this by myself. I'm not just the cool guy who gets to sing cool stuff and, you know, it touches people's hearts in the room. I'm reinforcing the fact that what Caleb plays on the keys matters. And the fact that his heart posture says, God, I want you today in this service, not just I'm just going to, you know, get through the set. But his heart posture is one that says, Holy Spirit, I'm listening to you and I want to follow you That is extremely important to me. So I'm constantly reinforcing that that truth. Um, A couple other things, just real quick. You guys have probably heard me say a whole bunch, you know, I'm following the Holy Spirit, or I want to follow the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Um, Just a quick practical idea or explanation on that. Something that I heard for years uh, in my time at IHOP from a guy named Mike Bickle, who leads there. He would tell the The prophetic singers and musicians, he would say, it was kind of his catchphrase, he would say, put up your antennas. Make sure your antennas are up, meaning actually be asking, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Actually be having that conversation, that dialogue. So for me, within the context of a worship set, you know, I might have four or five songs that I have on the docket that, you know, this is my set list. This is what I think I'm gonna do today. But in the midst of that set list, in the midst of those four or five songs, I'm constantly asking in my heart, I'm not saying it out loud on the mic, but I'm constantly asking, even if I'm singing a song, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying right now? I'm looking at the room, I'm gauging what's happening. Are they engaged? Is this song about joy engaging them? Is this song about the fear of the Lord engaging them? I'm constantly gauging the room, but I'm constantly asking, Holy Spirit, what are you doing and saying? And you guys might think, oh, well, I don't, I don't really hear from God. You know? I, I haven't really ever heard his voice. You know? And don't think that when I say I'm asking that, don't think I'm getting this gigantic long paragraph Response from God that says, Well, this is what I'm doing. Actually, thus saith the Lord, There's a spirit of joy flowing like a river today, and you must follow it. Step into the river, my son. You know, it's like, it, it's not that long, it's not that detailed. I usually hear like a one word thing, yeah. it can be very simple. It, it, it's normally not even a phrase for me, but I constantly ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Yeah. What are you doing? And a lot of times, it's one word. I hear freedom, and I go, Okay. I like that. Now, freedom is obviously subject to my interpretation. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Freedom from sin, freedom from depression, freedom into the love of Christ. I don't know what that means. So I might ask another question. Okay, freedom, God. I hear, I hear you saying that. What does that mean? Give me some more. You know, I might hear one more word, and I go, Okay. Yeah, that's it. And so I'm in the midst of a worship song, but I know that's the direction I want to go. So what I might do is there's a lull in the song, or there's a big part of the song that's not a normal singing part of the song. I might just begin to sing those things. Freedom from depression in the name of Jesus. I'll just begin to sing those things out. Or it's a a low time, and I'm singing it gently. Freedom from depression in the name of Jesus. And again, I'm watching the room. What's happening? Okay, I see this guy over here is crying. Okay, it's Mark. Because he's always crying, Um, you know. (laughs) I I see some other people. You know, there there are people visibly being touched. That's what I mean by following the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not this weird, lofty, esoteric, mystical concept that none of you can get. It's very simple. Talk to him, and he'll talk back to you. Ask him what he's doing, and he'll tell you. It it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be lofty. Just one word, and they go, okay, I'm going to step out on that. And just a couple more quick thoughts on that. Just practically, I've had so many times where I asked that question, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you saying? He spoke something. I got it. I went, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I love that. Joy. And all of a sudden, I am getting attacked like crazy, just accused like, no, it's not joy, you idiot. You didn't hear it right. (laughs) You know, These are the thoughts I'm hearing in my head. No, that's not right. That's not what God's saying. Don't do that. Don't step out. Don't sing that. It's gonna be terrible. People are gonna give you thumbs down. They're gonna boo you as you do it. And I, I'm going, no, 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 I think that was God, but I'm kind of wavering at this point. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid of the people booing a little bit. But that happens pretty often, maybe, maybe a quarter of the time, maybe a half of the time, where I I ask the Holy Spirit, He speaks, and then bam, accusation comes just like a flood. What I've found. Press through it, push through it, push that aside, and begin to prophesy what the Lord has given you. And every time I've done that, usually when the accusation is stronger, I just go for it. And it feels so weak in the moment. It feels terrible. Like, oh my God, my voice is just sounding so bad, and my, the melodies are not flowing. I don't think I'm making any sense. I may have just spoken heresy. What am I doing? <laughs> you know, I'm just getting nailed with a barrage of lies. But afterward, it never fails. Someone, at least one person will come up to me, write me an email, hit me with a Facebook message, which I don't often check, but I'll get it at some point. And they'll say, Corey, that so blessed me when you did that. Man, when you stepped out and you began to prophesy about freedom from whatever, 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 A, B, and C, man, I cannot tell you how that freed my heart. And so When you do this, when you begin to step out, if you hear that accusation, just say no. Push it away and press through and prophesy what the Lord is speaking to you, and he'll move even if it feels weak in the moment. So that was a lot. Sorry. No, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'm the
1: first practical, like Corey said, have that culture uh, where everyone has the reach, and I'll get to the next point, but just to touch on that. I mean, Corey really has built this with his worship team, uh, and I so appreciate the dignity that it gives me as a musician um, to say, hey, you know, your voice matters. If you hear the Lord, you know, just play, you know, what's on your heart to play. And that, that changes everything. And, and, and if we've lost the feeling on our worship team of Guys, anything could happen in this worship service. Yeah. Like anything, like revival could break out in this worship service. Like that dude could get out of his wheelchair. Like we have no, we could just be dancing around for fifteen minutes, or we could be on our faces we, Like who knows what the Lord could do in this worship service? Like if we lost that in our worship teams, we got to fight to get that back. Of who knows what could happen when the presence of the Lord comes, and and if the band feels like you know their heart posture matters. Then, then they go into it with a different approach, you know, rather than I'm just playing whatever the worship leader told me to do and I'm here to, to be on stage because this is how I serve. But it, it goes into that. no, I'm a, I'm a worship leader too. Uh, yeah. So that first is just developing that culture where everyone has the reach. And, and then I want to take a second and talk about uh, the structure, and so I know some of you are thinking, you know, the, the, the type A personalities that are very organized and together, you're thinking, all right, loosey-goosey, weird prophetic dudes up there. Like, I know you guys are all weird and artsy and like this stuff, but for us, we know that, you know, it doesn't really work that way. We actually love structure. We actually have a ton of structure and communication because actually uh, the thing that will hinder the prophetic spirit the most on your worship team uh, is timidity. And if people are unclear, they don't know what's happening or what their role is, they'll be timid and they won't prophesy. They'll shrink back and 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 you know they they'll, they they won't go out and be bold. But if there's clear lines of communication, there's structure and authority. Then there's that you have an atmosphere that that the prophetic can build off of. So we actually love both. We love the structure. We need structure. Like you know for for you know we're talking a lot about uh, we're given vision for spontaneous, but we also you know, want to value structure. Like for Sunday morning worship, like it can't just be loosey-goosey the entire hour. We have to have structured corporate worship songs that people can latch on to or else we lose the congregation and the whole goal is to serve them. And so we have to have a, a, a clear structure and so that starts with authority. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the thing, that, the lie that we believe is that authority is actually what, what hinders unity. But authority needs to be in place and be strong for us to even have any unity. And so for these uh, prophetic moments, like when, when Corey is leading, like it's clear that he's, he he, as the worship leader, makes the calls of when and how long we can go on something when we go. And because he makes those strong, he he's, he's uh, and you guys can set it up however you want. And we can talk a little bit about the practicals of different cues and whatever. So I know his cues and when, he, uh, when we're allowed to go into stuff and when he wants to bring it down. It actually happened today in worship uh, when we did Strong God. Um, We were actually supposed to just end and go into the next song. I kind of came up with a spontaneous melody line. I just felt like I wanted to play it a few times. So I I played it twice after, and we just kind of watched John. And John, the worship leader, I mean, he was just sitting there, and he let it go Two times through, and he was just kind of feeling it, and then he just gave the this sign. This just meant, hey, let's keep going for a little bit. So we kept going, and then Hendy came in on the on the drums, and then Gina started to sing some spontaneous stuff around it. and we just did it for like a minute, minute yeah, and a half. It was like it was a quick swirl, whatever. And and people might have thought it was planned, but that was completely in the moment. But I knew because I knew John. He's a strong leader, and he'll give me the signal uh, when it's time to move on, or the signal if he wants to keep going. I'm gonna just go for it, I'm gonna do this melody line. And he might have done the, hey, let's bring it down. But I know after, he's not gonna yell at me, like, you're supposed to bring it down, you know, why did you go an extra two times with that melody? Like, he's always like, you know, if he he said bring it down and I didn't, then we'd have a problem. That would be me, I wasn't being willing to submit to authority, but but we had a clear structure that was in place, so we knew how to do it. And so Corey has developed signals for like uh, when he wants everyone in the band to come in, when he wants a chorus. Uh, there's there's so many avenues we can explore in this prophetic worship. I mean, we can have selahs, uh, you know, where it's just the music is ministering, and we have we we don't have time to go through the cues for all of that, but but we do have those in place. And 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 instead of just saying hey guys, we want to be prophetic and spontaneous and then not talking about the practicals like you you'll never actually be able to go anywhere together you actually have to develop structure uh and communication so some helpful ways of doing that like a couple of of uh good times to do it is when like we did today like when the song is done like resting there for a minute maybe on the pad or my favorite is if in rehearsal like you're noticing like there's a little bit of life on something someone's playing, you know, maybe the guitar players playing a new the electric guitar players playing a new melody line. And you know you're just, you just you just like it, you know you, you, maybe you feel it 's anointed, maybe you just think it 's a cool melody line, whatever either way you 're may, maybe you 're like okay in rehearsal hey there 's a good chance if I give, if I look at you and point to you when the song 's done let 's keep the pad going, and then you 'll just play that melody and singers, if you get anything, just go feel free to sing it out if not, if nothing happens then we 'll just move right on and and, and don 't worry about it but we 're going to at least try it, or maybe there 's a song like there's a there's a big part of the song that feels good. Say, hey, we're gonna actually keep the music big for a little bit, and we'll just kind of say off for a little bit, or we'll just have an instrumental time. And if we get anything, we'll sing off it, or or maybe we'll bring it down to four on the floor and see what happens. But but you're kind of facilitating ideas and structures uh, to launch off, and and the and the and the structure does not hi- does not have to hinder the prophetic. It can just be a foundation. It's a way for everyone. It's a communication tool that everyone's on the same page, so that we can all do it together, and that's the beauty of doing this, uh, prophesying as a worship team, because it's a team ministry, I and mean, we're kind of used to the, you know, the one man of God prophet who's on stage, like, waving around the suit coat and, and giving the prophetic words, and everyone kind of came to see that one guy, and I think the Lord can move in that way, and so, I, you know, I don't want to dog that, um, but, like, when we prophesy in a team environment, like, it's so much more fun, because we can go so much further together, where we're, we're relying on one another and we're, we're playing off of one another and it just gives a safe environment where it's not, about, it's not just about Corey as the worship leader, he's not the prophet and we're all just supporting him. No, we're all prophesying. You know That was Paul's desire that we all would prophesy, that we would all encourage, that we'd all edify and build up the church. So everyone's doing it together and because there's those lines of communication there,
0: we can all, we can all flow. That's great and I think for you guys, in your different worship contexts, whether it's Sunday morning or you guys lead a prayer meeting, you guys lead a Wednesday night service, I think you figure out what works for you. You know, Caleb and I have shared a few ideas. You know, maybe the spontaneous moment, like Caleb said, comes at the end of a song. Maybe it comes in the middle of a song where there's sort of a a lull or just a melody line that's playing. And I think think for any of you guys, you guys figure out where it works for you and develop those things within your teams. You know, for us, we've developed them within our teams, and now say the musicians are playing something, Caleb's playing the melody line, and it's within a song, my singers know, okay, this is a moment where if I have something, the Lord's speaking something to me, I can begin to sing that out. And what they're going to do, this is just, again, a very practical thing that's uh, endemic to our team but can be Obviously translated to yours as well. So my singers were in one of those lulls. I'm going to kind of survey. I'm going to look over at them. Hey, y'all got anything? I'm not going to say that, obviously, because that's weird. Uh, But I'm going to look at them, you know, with the searching eyes. Like sometimes because I'm floundering and I'm like, good God, please get something. This is terrible. You know, (laughs) those moments definitely happen. But I'm looking at them going, hey, Lord, speaking anything to you? And they, they might look at me, Nah you know, and and it can be nonverbal, just, you know, they're not going to say anything. I still said "Mm," for some reason, because I just do that, I guess. Uh, Or they might look at me like, yeah, I got something. And, And a lot of times a cue for us is, we as singers a lot of times will have our Bibles with us just because, hey, the Lord's speaking something. Hey, I want to cross-reference that. I want to look at that. What does that scripture actually say? I'm hearing part of it. Oh, I want to see what the whole thing says. So we'll have our Bibles with us. So maybe some singers are over here, and it's one of those times I'm looking, hey, got anything? And one of them might just hold up their Bible, like, hey, I got something. And so for me, that's a nonverbal cue. Hey, I've got something. And at that point, I as the worship leader, you know, Caleb was talking about authority. I love that. Authority is what, it's not a negative word, it's what makes this whole thing work, and it it makes it smooth. So they look at me, and I go, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's go for that. So I kind of just give them the nod, like, let's do it. And then they know I'm going to sing whatever the Lord's speaking to me out. And and in, in these moments, they're so beautiful because that's when we as the rest of the band, the rest of the team, get to support that person, We get to just love on that person and just make that thing awesome. So, you know, this singer's over here singing something and and she's building it with her voice. We, as musicians, are listening and we're building it with her. And then she ebbs and flows and she comes back down and you kind of come back down with her. And it's just so fun and so cool and so enjoyable in those moments. And it's all because we know what's going on, everyone knows how it works. And so like Caleb said, if there's clear communication, there's no timidity. People will know, okay, I have permission to do this. That that clear communication is basically a permission giving mechanism. I know that I have freedom to do this. So there are so many ways in which you can implement this in your worship sets. And again, you gotta find where it works for you. A couple of practicals, you know, if we're in the middle of a worship song and I'm singing strong. I think you guys know, and everyone on the platform knows, if they're with me, this is not a time to do something spontaneous. This is not a time to be prophetic. It's not a time for my singer to begin speaking, singing out, you know, how that person in the back row needs to repent of their sin. Because that's just weird, (laughs) number one. But number two, that's not the time. We all know that. So you find out when it works, where it works. So just a couple ideas of of when and where to be spontaneous and and making sure it's helpful to the room. Maybe, Caleb, you can talk on that.
1: Yeah, uh, because sometimes we can can go a little overboard, and because we're like, yeah, we're in for the prophetic. We're in for what Jesus is saying, um, that, you know, for Sunday morning, like, it's probably not going to work well to do, like, 10 minutes of structured corporate worship and then just do 30 minutes of spontaneous. I'm guessing you're going to lose the room because it's going to be new and foreign. And so we have to keep our core conviction as worship leaders that our main goal is to serve the room, that we are acting as priests who are ministering before the Lord and and, and we have to be... First serving the room and, and or sorry, first serving the Lord and then serving the room. And so if we're having on stage having a good old time prophesying, but everyone else is like disengaged and thinking this is weird and scared, then we're, we're not we're, we're not really doing great. That might be fun for a little practice night, but that did not work great congregationally. And so, we do things in a way that we want to make it simple, easy, and not weird. You know, uh, I I like the phrase, you know, supernaturally natural. Like, you know, we don't have to get all weird and funny and, 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 and try to look all spiritual. Like, we just, we're normal. We use normal biblical language because... Because the Spirit is not afraid of the Bible. That's actually the language that the Holy Spirit speaks, is the Word. And so, and, and, and maybe as worship leaders, it's best if you uh, actually um, kind of explain what's happening. Like if it's a long Selah, instead of just letting them play, just say, uh, John, John Egan, our worship pastor, does this all the time. He says, hey, we're going to let the musicians just play over you right now. They're going to prophesy. So right now, just close your eyes and receive. Or maybe you say, hey, uh, you know, we're going to sing uh, We're going to sing maybe a spontaneous chorus. Maybe join in with us. Or you give some brief moment of explanation, and it gives people permission to enter in. Because people aren't going to engage with, with something they're afraid of. You know, that's why we typically, like Sunday morning, don't just randomly throw in like gangster rap beats in the middle of our worship. It, people in the room might actually like gangster <laughs> rap, but because that's a foreign environment for them, it's they're going to draw back because they're going to be afraid. You know, they're, they're only going to worship and give their heart to the Lord where they feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. And so we, we lay a context that's that makes sense and it's easy. So don't just start by going crazy with it. Just do real short moments um, like what we talked about it and then maybe explain it. And then uh, uh, in that, like be paying attention to to the room. I love uh, just to brag on Corey. I mean, I think he's uh, if not the best, one of the best worship leaders in the world that just paying attention to the engagement of the room and <laughs> I already know what he was doing back there. <laughs> but but uh, paying attention to what's happening. Like we don't drag something on that people aren't connecting with. And so I love, to, uh, I love to define unique Holy Spirit activity as more than 50% of the room is engaged in a way that is either to a greater degree than normal but it, or, is, or is unusual, and if that's happening, then we're gonna go with that as long as it happens. You know, I, I think of it as as we're you know in a sailboat and we've set our course, uh, you know, and that's the structure is the sailboat, uh, you know. But the Holy Spirit, He breathes and He and He's the wind in the sail. And if He's if his wind is in the sail and it's clear that it's happening corporately and not just to me, then we can ride that for a while. But if that wind goes, you know, we don't try to just like force it or stir it up. We just go with that. And so maybe we go with the spontaneous moment for two, three minutes. And after three minutes, we notice that people are starting to sit down or disengage or or whatever. Then we go back into a worship song. Um, but we we serve the room by... Watching and paying attention to what the Lord's doing and saying, maybe the Lord's moving on your heart personally. And I've had this time, whether, whether worship leading uh, or playing keys, where, where the Lord's moving on my heart in a real intense way. And so I go for it, and I think, you know, this is the moment, like, the whole congregation is going to go with me. And it's going to be awesome. And it's just like, just completely dies. But I'm feeling it. You know, we got to have the maturity to, to serve the room and say, even though I'm feeling it, you know, this isn't what the Lord's doing corporately in the moment. And instead of just being like, I wish they were, you know, more on board with what the Lord was doing, I was feeling it, you know, we, we just serve. And, and so, so we, we think practically, okay, could we have invited the room better into what we did? Was it confusing? Was it foreign? Was it scary? Do, uh, or did it just need to be defined? Because lots of times in those, in those moments of that swirl, people are feeling something, they feel the Lord, but they need it to be defined. And, yeah. and so when, when we do that and we make it clear, whether it's through singing or by announcing it from the mic, we give permission for people to come in and and actually engage with what we're doing, which is really, you know, we have to make that the goal, not for us to prophesy. That's not the goal. The goal is for uh, uh, the Lord's presence to come, and when we
0: prophesy, for people to be ministered to and for the Lord to have his way. Yeah, just a couple thoughts, and then we'll take a few questions. A couple thoughts on what Caleb said. If you have questions,
1: actually, you can just go ahead and line up right now. Uh, there's a mic right here. I don't know if there's someone in the back who wants to uh, moderate the questions or hear yeah, to do that, helpful. but if you have any questions from philosophy to really practical, um, just go ahead and, and, and make a line, and,
0: and uh, we'll have uh, Pastor Adam will, will uh, moderate for us. Yeah, I love what Caleb said about pastoring people in these moments. I think that's so helpful. You know, Caleb referenced our worship pastor here, John Egan, who led this morning, I've seen him multiple times go into a time of of what we would call a selah or just a musical time where the music was just playing over people. And and maybe the music played for about two or three minutes and then it was kind of like, wow, this is really good. And then all of a sudden he would pastor people in it and he would just say, listen, as the music continues to play... We want it to wash over you. We want you to just begin to talk to the Lord in this time. And he would just kind of explain it, give direction. And all of a sudden, it would go to a new level like that. I mean, I've seen it probably four or five times. Very, very uh, a def- definitively like that. He would explain it, and then all of a sudden, you know, where I'm sitting, people just start crying. Bam, they're getting touched by the Lord just because he explained it. And all of a sudden, people felt permission. Oh, I I can engage with this. I know how to engage with this now. Instead of, what are we doing? This is kind of, you just playing music, and I just... Stand here, this is cool, I guess. You know, but he defined it, and all of a sudden it was, bam, okay, I can enter in with that. I understand what you're doing now. I I can go in that direction. So I've seen that multiple times. So just remembering in these prophetic or spontaneous times... Don't be afraid to pastor people through it. Don't be afraid to explain it. Give some b- biblical ideas. Give some theology for why you're doing what you're doing. Because a lot of times that is a permission-giving mechanism that allows people to enter into what's going on. And people can really get touched and, and ministered to because of those things. All right. Come on, y'all. We,
1: we're not letting you out early if you don't ask questions. So. If you, if you have a question, go ahead and line up right behind Well, How behind about Adam. this,
0: just to make it easier? How about you just raise your hand, and Motz is just going to walk to you, and he'll just hit you <laughs> with the mic. Is that or cool? Wren. Thanks, Motz. Hey. Um, if there's not a culture, actually, that's used to prophetic um, worship, like when you first came here, uh, if they're used to basically doing the music sets and doing a more traditional style, how do you approach the pastor about that? And like, how did you, because when you first came here, I mean, how did you actually deal with that with Pastor Brady and whatnot? Did he approach you about it? Did he bring you into it and say, look, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit is actually moving us in that direction? Or was it more along the lines of, okay, let's just kind of sit down and powwow about this? Or like, when's the appropriate time? Is it going to be on Sunday nights, et cetera, et cetera? How do you get actually past that hurdle if you're used to a culture that's used to more traditional kind of setup of going in the direction of prophetic worship? Yeah, it's a great question. For me, it was quite easy because when he brought me on, he knew that was something that I loved and have done for many years. And he kind of said, hey, this is something that we want to get into as a church even more. You could come and be a shot in the arm for this. And so for me, it was, it was quite easy. It wasn't exactly a hurdle because that was a direction that he was wanting to head in already. I think, Slightly differently to answer your question, when we go different places uh, traveling just as a worship team, we might go to a place that's largely unfamiliar with prophetic or spontaneous. And so part of me as as a pastor, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to freak these guys out and just go nuts and do this. And if I do feel strongly that I do need to go in a, in a prophetic direction or in a spontaneous direction, I'm going to actually explain, give some biblical ideas, give a little bit of theology for it. So, again, it's a permission-given mechanism. Hey, okay, I, I understand what you're doing now. I can go with that. And so that that's pretty common for us, you know, maybe... Three-quarters of the places love the prophetic, and that's why they bring us in for their conference or whatever. And maybe a quarter of them, like, we're not really familiar with this, but we're open to it. Would you at least help our people, you know, understand what you're doing? Don't scare them, basically. So does that answer your question? Cool. So in a community where the people are open to the prophetic and they're wanting it, could you take us to how you guys as a group how did you start practicing A on your own, and then um, did you guys have different phrases or things that you talked about in your rehearsal times, and then that was the go-to, or if you could talk a little bit about yeah. the practical side of how you started it?
1: Yeah, we had a lot of uh, you know I like to call pre-planned spontaneous uh, that because what i talked about well you really want it to be a safe environment for everyone to jump into it we didn't start off with a hey we're just going to play two hours and whatever happens happens now we did end up having some sets toward the end because we we were all able to do that but we had a very structured hey we're going to spend 30 minutes and we're going to practice these songs and we're going to
0: one thing when you're done with that
1: yeah totally uh (laughs) totes (laughs) Uh, we're going we're gonna to sing these uh, worship songs, and then we're going to wait on the Lord for a little bit. And then, Caleb, uh, why don't you start a progression? And it was typically like a chord progression that I had already practiced or put together. Um, it wasn't completely spontaneous, but we hadn't, like, practiced it exactly what everyone was going to play to the T or, 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 like, a song map for it. So it was planned, but it was spontaneous at the same time. And so we had a planned uh, uh, time we were going to go into, but then it was... Uh, you know, we would kind of prophesy and go off that. And so it was a very safe environment to learn. And so we started, you know, with... With 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 structure and and brief moments, and then we learn to to do this singing by by you know doing it on stage and off the stage, like opening up our Bibles, you know, going to a, like a psalm, like you know Psalm twenty three, and then just singing it back to the Lord. And as we sing it back to the Lord, just like if we were doing sermon prep, you know, other sermons would come to our mind and cross references and and phrases and things like that would come and we'd write them down. And so I mean, just like like a pastor prepping for a sermon, I mean, we would just sing the scriptures and let it walk. Over our hearts, and and, and then it became normal. Like we did it off stage and on the stage. So when we were on the stage, it was you know very,
0: very natural to us. Yeah, having a clear model is really helpful, and that's something we can talk to you more after in detail what that actually looks like, maybe even step by step what that looks like. But just a, a quick story on that you're asking, How do we get into this? When I first started leading worship at IHOP, I was extremely arrogant. (laughs) very very the worst the worst kid you ever met in your life I thought I was the coolest and the best and I got up there and I just said man I'm so spontaneous like I'm just going to be spontaneous the entire two hours I don't need your structure I don't need your worship songs I'm just going to do what I want and I kind of told Mike that and he was like yeah Corey good idea go for that see how it works (laughs) and because he's smart and he was wise and he knew I'd fall on my face so I did that, and I was just puffed up, like, dude, I don't need this model, like, whatever. I'm not going to practice. I'm going to get up there and be awesome. That's what I do. You know." <laughs> so I did that for about one week, and then I realized, man, this is terrible. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to sing. My music sucks. I'm not that good at guitar, and this is terrible. I, have, I don't know what to do for two hours. So I literally just face planted, I mean, for a week straight on every set. And I went back to Mike and I was like, man, you're right about that model, dude. Like, that's a good idea. That's a really good structure to have to kind of make this thing work. And so we can talk to you more, you know, afterward if you're like, hey, I want to know what that looks like. How do you actually do that? We'd be glad to talk about that. But practicing it yes would be extremely yeah, helpful absolutely. before you even do it in a in a corporate context that would be extremely helpful and we can give you the yeah. you know the step-by-step of what that actually looks like
1: yeah there's a worship team i was just with two weeks ago in texas that are working on doing new spontaneous stuff and so they're just starting by doing it in their rehearsals and they're not doing it sunday morning yet. so they're going to do it in their rehearsals for a few months and then they're going to kind of transition on so that's that's another idea too
0: yes Hi. Um, as you're doing uh, prophetic worship, you know, spontaneous worship, um, and it, things are going great, and you just, you're just feeling it, and things are just amazing, how do you know when to stop?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, I think um, first thing is, uh, you know, what, what do you have permission to do? Um, you know, there's certain environments. Like for us, we have a Wednesday night service that New Life has created, That is created to be very spontaneous and to and to go long moments, and then we have our Sunday morning service, which needs to be more structured to serve the people. So, so the first one is, you know, uh, you know your oversight, you know, the 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 pastoral leadership. Like, what are they okay with, and what do they actually want? Um, And then then the second, you know, to really be paying attention to what's happening in the room. Like, is it, do you notice a couple people are getting touched by the Lord? Or is, like, half of the room getting touched by the Lord? And and I would say if if half the room was engaging as well as they were before, if not better, then, you know, that's a great indicator. Like, you can keep going. And if there's life on it, you you know, you feel uh, the Lord on it and and the room is responding, then why move on, you know? Like, to me, once the room starts going or, or, or you start feeling that it's, you know, that, that it's kind of done with, then you can kind of move it on. And that's the beauty of the, the worship songs is because they can help engage people so quickly. So, you know, pay attention to the leaders, pay attention to what's happening in the room, and then paying attention to, you know, where can it go from here? Did, did it kind of run its course and you kind of just going in circles, you know, or is there new life that's kind of being developed out of it?
0: Yeah, so if your oversight is giving you the thumbs up and saying absolutely do that kind of stuff and you're gauging the room and a lot of them are going with it, don't stop. Keep doing it. That's awesome. I mean, we've done... It ain't broke. Yeah, (laughs) don't fix it, man. We've done a number of, a great number of sets where you know maybe we did one worship song but then the rest of maybe an hour and a half or the rest of two and a half hours was just spontaneous stuff that was happening and people were responding to it so i didn't even think of shutting it down because people were more engaged with that than they would have been you know a normal worship song or whatever so absolutely keep going with it if you've got permission and it's working yeah
1: great question um, I know that I, I believe, and I, I have a feeling you guys would echo that, that in uh, prophetic worship and uh, spontaneity in a corporate worship setting, that uh, diligence in God's Word is vital yes. to that. And so I, I'm interested to hear like what that looks like practically for your teams and your services and your sessions. like. In what ways do you practically apply that? Is it something that you do as a group or that you rely on kind of yeah. each
0: person doing it separately or what?
1: Yeah, the, and the beautiful thing about these prophetic moments is it'll push your worship team to go deep in, in this book. You know, when, when they're not singing it, like it's easy to kind of let it go by. But if your singers have to sing spontaneously and they have to sing off the word, then they have to know the word. And so we would do Bible studies uh, regularly. Um, We would have briefings before our sets where we would talk about the scriptures. And different people would study it, and we'd have someone come in and kind of give like an exhortation on the scriptures and maybe break it down a little bit or just, uh, you know, what— what, what have we been doing, and so we would actually all be reading like that uh, a scripture or a passage throughout the week um, and so uh, you know with your with your worship teams, you know I think this is a great opportunity to push them in, in, in their Bible study you know and, you know for a lot of you worship leaders you 're feeling the uh, man, how do I even just get my worship team to just read their Bible? Like if they would read their Bible for five minutes a day, I would be so happy. <laughs> but but if you give them like something of, hey, no, it's actually important like for your service that you actually need to n- not only know what the scriptures say, but have it be living and inside of you, then, um, you know, it, it's a great opportunity for you to introduce, you know, that maybe you start bringing in some uh, lessons into your Bible study. Maybe the pastor comes in and teaches on, you know, a song, like a, Psalms, or maybe you have them read a book on, on you know, uh, or a commentary or something like that. But you can really use it uh, as an
0: avenue to really push your team to 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 get in the Word and have it be part of their who they are. Yeah, think of it as more weapons in your arsenal. The more you know, the more you can utilize, and the more the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, great, great question. What role does skill? Of your musicians play when you're trying to be spontaneous? And how do you navigate if you have varying skill levels on the same team? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a fantastic question. Uh, the Davidic tabernacle, tabernacle that Caleb talked about, he's very clear in, in the wording of that scripture in the Old Testament. It says David employed skilled musicians. doesn't say he employed Decent, mediocre musicians. And that's not a dig on your worship team if you're going, man, dude, I got the 12 year old kid who's trying to learn the electric, but he's terrible. (laughs) You know, that's not to say don't use him. That's to say encourage him in excellence. Encourage him to be that, you know, that Davidic skilled musician because, again, it's more weapons in your arsenal. You know, if Caleb knows the entire keyboard, He's got more to do. He's got more creativity, more spontaneity at his fingertips. If I know the guitar, obviously, that's very helpful in creating and being creative. Um, so I would encourage your team, obviously, work on their craft. You know, I do that, did that with my team constantly. Hey, guys, practice. Don't coast. Don't get to where you're like, oh, I'm pretty good, man. I'm, I'm decent. I can keep going. No, encourage them. Practice, practice, practice. But in the case that you are dealing with musicians that are not as skilled obviously you want to cater to that you want to think about that you want to um, do spontaneous things that are easily uh, attained for them so a practical way of doing that instead of thinking oh I have to be extremely creative and come up with this brand new chord progression that's like top of the line the coolest thing you've ever heard a spontaneous moment can come right out of a worship song, and it can be the exact same chord progression of the worship song. You didn't need to change anything. Your team already knows what you're doing, and you're just letting the Holy Spirit kind of breathe in that moment. And You're, you're letting the singers maybe sing what's on their heart in that moment. So that's not extremely complicated. That's not asking them to learn modes, and that's not asking them to learn every scale and stuff like that. But Caleb, yeah. thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'd say cater to the strengths of who you have, too. You know, like if you have a wicked drummer uh, and a killer singer, you know, instead of trying to get everyone to do it the same level, if your keyboard player and electric guitars are a little bit weaker, like play off those spontaneous moments off your drummer and your singer, you know, like give them that opportunity. And then you once it's kind of showcased. Uh, then, you know, then you can help everyone else get there. But, yeah, I don't feel like you have to give everyone equal, equal share. You know, if you've got someone who's stronger, lean on them. You know, if your keyboard player is killer and has, you know, great melody lines, then, you know, utilize that and have him lead some spontaneous mm-hmm. times. So, yeah, love that question. We'll do two more quick questions, and, and then we'll dismiss. And Corey and I will just hang out kind of off to the side for a little bit uh, for those of you who are staying in here. Uh, or if you just want to talk to us or have any, have any questions um, that didn't get answered. Uh, hey, guys. Hey. Uh, thank you so much. This is
0: awesome, by the way. Thank you. Um, uh, it was mentioned, United Pursuit and just what's going on right now and living room worship and doing extended amounts of time in worship where maybe it's a phrase, yeah. where maybe it's saying something over and over again and
1: letting it build. I notice a lot of times they're in the same key. So when you guys have done set lists like this and just times in the presence of God where you're being prophetic,
0: do you guys stay usually in the same key throughout that long amount of time? Or if you do transition keys, how do you do a smooth transition? Yeah, it depends on the worship context for me. If it is a more of a living room, soaking type of worship set, then I will be mindful to keep everything in the same key, if possible. Obviously, you can do some transitions. Maybe it's the circle of fifths. You know, you're in D, and you switch to A, and it's pretty seamless. You're in D, you switch to G, you land on the four, and it's pretty seamless. But for the most part, yeah, I'm trying to... I'm trying to stay in the same key just to kind of create that flow and even creating a medley of songs, which I'm sure you've probably heard with those guys before. You know, they string all their songs together. And probably if you listen to their songs, they're the exact same chord progression like the top three of their songs are the exact same chord progression in the exact same key with just different melody lines and different lyrics. I'm fine with that. I, I have nothing against that. And part of that is because it came out of what they're doing. You know, same for us. When we were at IHOP, a lot of it was about flow. So we would create medleys, meaning a song that flows into another song, that flows into another song, that flows into another song, for the purpose of creating a seamless worship experience. So it's not like... (laughs) You know, because... In a, in a Sunday morning context, it doesn't feel bad because you can do the little trash can thing where it's like, yes, we love you, God. Woo, yeah. And then it feels, a, it feels like a pretty good transition. But if you're in a more of a, a living room type worship service, that feels pretty crappy, actually. It doesn't feel good. Um, so I love to try to keep them in the same key. Uh, that, that's a great question. I, I don't know if that answers a ton of what you ask. I feel like you, I kind of restated what you said. <laughs> Uh, you got a great smile, it's making me
1: <laughs> happy. He does. Um, I just have a question about what you do with it once you've gone there. Um, uh, sorry, can you say that first sentence again? What do you do with it once you've experienced your evening? Do you journal it? Share it with the pastor? To share it with the rest of the congregation? Um, do you journal it so that later on you go back and go, "Oh my goodness." Hey, we talked about that in prophecy. What are you doing with the prophecy uh,
0: after you? Do you mean like the stuff that's coming out in a yeah. worship context? Like the prophetic stuff that, that happens? What do you yes. do with it? How do you steward it? Is that are what you're you Are you just
1: experiencing a great evening or are you actually taking it out and teaching? Yeah, yeah okay. Learned? I get what you're saying. Yeah, when, what you're saying. And, and admittedly, we fail at this. Like it would be awesome if we did a better job of like recapping that. Um, I think the biggest thing that we do with it is, um, we end up writing songs with it. And, uh, we have ton of, of the, the songs we do that, that Corey leads, um, you know, I would say the majority of them have at least moments, if not all of the song came out from those spontaneous moments. And so uh, we would record our sets and then go back and listen to them and, and remember kind of those moments. Like, man, that was awesome. You play that, sounded awesome. Or that was anointed, or that phrase was so good. And then we, 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 we turn that into a song. And so, uh, you know, th- it's, again, it's like what we just talked about with United Pursuit. I mean, this is so much of just what came out spontaneously in the moment. And they were just good stewards of it, you know, and now their music is going all over the earth. Um, And so I I think the best way to do it is to, you know, journal it by song. You know, have have a songwriting book where you're writing down your your choruses and and, and have, you know, I have voice memos on my phone of melody lines and I record them on my laptop. Like when I play a melody line or a chord progression I really like spontaneously, I record it really quick and then I label it and I go back later and kind of see if I can... I can work with it. I don't know if you want to expand on that. Yeah, a couple
0: more thoughts. In a perfect world, you want to write it down. You want to journal it somehow. And maybe that's by songwriting, like Caleb said. But something that we would do quite often and still do quite often is have what we would call a, a debrief. Basically, afterward, we're getting together as a worship team, and we're going, man, that was amazing when you sang that. Oh, man, you remember when you sang that and then I sang that and all oh, that chorus and then, you know, that melody line. It was so powerful. And so you're getting together afterward and you're just talking about what the Lord did. You're enjoying and remembering what the Lord did, whether it was an awesome set or is it like a kind of good set. You you go in there and you just kind of talk about it. Lord, you, you know you remember, oh, yeah, you spoke that and then that was so cool that went with that. And so that, that's fun. That's just fun dialogue to have afterward, and it'll help you remember it. It'll help you enjoy it and just kind of thank the Lord for it, you know? Yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, let me just pray for you guys. I don't know if you want to pray too, but Lord, I just thank you for this group of, Of uh, musicians and singers and worship leaders, ones who are pouring out their lives to serve uh, the congregation and to serve you, Lord. I thank you, God. I ask that you would strengthen them this this week. God, I ask that you would, uh, with might, by your spirit in their inner man, Father, that you would breathe fresh life into their lungs. God, I ask for the ones who are wanting to to do this, Lord. I ask that you give ideas, practicals. I ask that you would open up the door. God, whether it's for 15, 20-second moments on Sunday morning or it's full prophetic services or prayer meetings, whatever the context or avenue, Lord, I ask for favor that you would open up doors, that you would make this enjoyable, that you would put people around them with the same vision, Lord, as they step out to say, Uh, We want more Holy Spirit activity in our worship services, Lord. I ask that you would meet them with power. I ask that songs would come out. I ask for uh, 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 ones that would go all over the nations um, singing the presence, the glory of God. Father, I ask for ones that would take the scriptures and and explain it and teach a generation of the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You guys are dismissed.